Fellas, welcome to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I'm your host for today. And I'm going to be your host for this next little bit. And today is another one of my favorite mentors and someone who I think brings such great value to this world. And one of the reasons that I'm excited to have him on is that not very many people get to hear these conversations. It's with one of my mentors, Tim Rode. And and Tim was someone I met at a mastermind years ago when I was just coming into this kind of content media, internet marketing world. I've gotten out of the, or I was probably actually, when I met him, I was still in the sales world. I was building a sales organization and I was looking for what was next because I knew that that wasn't going to be, that wasn't me forever. When you're looking for something, it tends to bring it to you. And if you are aware enough or open enough to see that it's there, those people can walk into your lives and make huge, huge impacts on your life. And Tim is one of those guys. Tim came into my life and he transformed it in a variety of ways, mostly by setting an example of and showing me that it's possible for a man to crush it in his finances, to be really, really wealthy. Also, to be really, really healthy. And also to have a family that loves you and also to go out and have fun. And he has been someone who has been able to do it all, right? A lot of people, that's their goal is having it all. And Tim, now it doesn't come without challenges and it doesn't come without obstacles and struggles for sure, which we'll get into, but he's done it. And he's also been able to help people to do it behind him. He's not just about himself. He's been able to help his community, his family, all the people that come into contact with him. He's kind of pulling them up alongside him. And so if you're not familiar with Tim Rode, I'm excited to bring him into your world and he might do some similar things for you as well. But without further ado, this is Tim Rode. Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santia Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Well, Timmy, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Show. We're here. Excellent, man. Thank you. Tim, I gave a full intro prior to us jumping into this for the listeners, but you've been a big mentor of mine. You've been someone that I really look to and model in a lot of things as a father, as a parent, a husband, a business owner, and more than that, just even a person. So I wanted to say that to you because I know I've said it to you before, but I wanted the listeners to hear that as well. What's present for you right now? What challenges or struggles you mentioned before we hopped on that you're maybe on the other side of whatever hill is there? What's real for you or challenging you right now? Yeah. So I'm in a different place of life than most of your listeners. And I'm probably going to come from a different standpoint, if you will, because I am on the other side, you know, of that mountain that many of you are climbing up now. And now in my mind, I'm running up along the top of it and enjoying the view from up here. So at this point, as I told you, I'm working on something kind of like a biography of my life for my family. And I want them to know who I was and what I was all about and what I thought life was all about. So I'm writing a book from a football metaphor 
standpoint of your life in 10 yard increments. What were you like for the first 10 years? What it was like from 11 to 20? Many of you are in your 30s now. What's it like between the 30 yard line and the 40 yard line? And now I'm 63. I'm almost to the freaking, what is it? The red zone (laughs) of the other side of it. So I have an absolutely different perspective than I did when I was first, especially 15 or 25. And now I've had a lot of the edges rubbed off through my parents passing, through my sister passing, some aging experiences of my own in the last three years that have kicked my ass to be blunt about it. And I've got a whole new perspective of life much kinder, gentler. So I guess that makes me a modern masculine. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because you said that you did a Google search before we hopped on the call and that you were kind of surprised by what you saw when you did that search. What did you mean by that? Well, they showed like 96% of you thought this is what the modern male is. And it was very empathetic, more heart-centered than head-centered. And I think that was the gist of the article is a lot of the things that brought me to the dance and a lot of the things that many of you men, you're on the hamster wheel, you've got a business, you've got a job, you're trying to earn for your family and for your future and take care of those kids. And what am I, where's this all going? And how can I take care of that? That's more of my generation's masculinity was, you know, you were just in the trenches doing your job. And now it's kind of blended with the new world to make sure you're blending your head with your heart. And I got to be honest, when I was 25, 35, even 45, I don't think I gave a lot of thought into that. I always looked at how could I play well in the sandbox. I sold real estate. I had to work with lenders and the other agents and the buyers and the sellers. Of course you have to do that. Of course you have to fit in and make sure you hold up your end. But I guess that was the part in my mind was it was a paternal, if you will, I'm going to way hold up my end and hope they do also. So I guess I have always tried to come from a strong man, you know, if you will, I'm going to show up and I'm going to hold up my end every single freaking day. And I guess I've always held that all the way to now. Now... It's much easier to be much gentler and softer and just kind of go with the flow. But I got to say, I don't know if I would have been able to do the things that I was able to do to get somewhere in life without kind of putting the hammer down. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, yeah, what you're speaking to is the net positive and the fact that men have to evolve and perhaps decades ago, generations ago, men's main role was the provider. That was what their expectations were. And if they went out 
and they brought home the bread and the bacon, then they were being a good man. They weren't being judged on how present they were in their kids' lives, and they weren't being held to the same standards in terms of their marriage and relationship, all those things that have evolved. And now men, at least the ones who want to excel and want to have it all, they now have to care or they have to spend time. And I think that is the challenge. It's hard to do all of those things at the same time and be good at them. Yeah, but here's the deal. Let's look at it from a woman's standpoint. They're doing all of that and, you know what I mean? And they kick ass and I have so much respect for women. First of all, they are mama freaking bears and you know Shailene and I you know Tina. And I just have such respect for women. They just show up every single day and when they don't feel well, the whole, you know, the, the whole unit suffers. And then you know the drill, Hector. You got to step in and do everything you're doing and take, you know what I mean? So it's just not an easy thing. So I look at it from that aspect of, I think a modern man loves to cook a nice meal and give it to his lady. And it feels good. Or maybe she's had a hard day and you do the dishes. You just freaking do things that are above and beyond. They hope you do it, but you beat them to the punch. You know, you more than hold up your end. And when I'm at my best, and I got to be honest, I struggle. We all do. Is reverence. It's reverence for your mate, for the team, for whatever position you are in life. That goes back to holding up your end. You know, you're part of a basketball team. You know, the practice, who needs practice? Screw that. You show up at practice. How you do one thing is how you do everything. It's just the way you care about the outcome because you want to win the freaking championship. That's why you're doing this, you know? So anyway, I'm a little obsessive if you can't tell. Although, you know me, I'm also a very chill individual and enjoy things while I'm doing them. I'm curious, though, because I imagine that you were never afraid of standing out or never afraid of doing you or, or being a little different. And so I'm curious, how has that evolved for you with regards to your marriage or being a dad? Because you're someone who cares so much about the things that you care about. But that has been something that men haven't always been open to showing their emotion or showing whatever, right? But you're kind of someone who wears, at least recently, your emotions on your sleeve. You can kind of see your expressions where that's not been traditionally the case. How have you been able to navigate that? Yeah, you know, you are who you are wherever you are. But I'm thinking there's the business, Tim, and the family, Tim, and then the personal, Tim. And in the business, I haven't ever minded sticking out because I know if you don't like selling real estate, if I don't market me, who the heck's going to do it? I was telling Patrick Cullinane earlier, if you knew me back in the day, we were talking about people who are overly pushy in our GoBundance tribe. And I said, well, Patrick, if you knew me back in the day and I was selling real estate, I, yes, I would have reached out to you in Facebook and said, hey, we're both in GoBundance. If you ever need a realtor, 
let me know. And then I would have started emailing you. And then I would have gotten your phone number. And then every three months, you would have heard, hey, you know anybody looking to buy or sell? That's just me feeding my freaking family. You know what I mean? And that's way old school, by the way. I know it's way different today. And I probably would ruffle feathers today (laughs) because, you know, that was just the way you did it. There was that piece of it. And then I think with my family, I'd like to think with all of my kids, and you know Chris, you know Sarah, you know Andy, each one of them is so different. And I've always joked on if I talked to Chris the way I had to talk to Andy, I might have broken Chris. I had to be much firmer on Andy or he would have said, get that shit out of here. You know what I mean? So you have to be aware of who each kid is. And then I think it's up to us to help to be their biggest fans and be observing and to know Chris loved to play Little League. He was my star pitcher. We won the league championship. And then I had Andy and I got to do it again. And then he's the kid in right field chasing butterflies. So I paid attention and we got him into UC Berkeley cyber camp. And he's not a ball player. He wants to build code and robots and he's got an analytical mind. So you help him do that because you love him because you're paying attention. I think if you look at it, in each case, it's about, I'm just going to say it, giving a shit. You know what I mean? Being tuned in to your highest and best use. And I'll use a real estate word for that. You know, what's the highest and best use of that particular piece of property? Well, what's the highest and best use of yourself? What's the highest and best use of your kids helping them become who they're meant to be. And I know you and Shailene are doing a great job with that, Hector. So, Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, by the way. We are trying our darnest. You touched on seeing something in the kids and giving a shit about what it is that they want, not what it is that you want. I feel like that is a big thing that, I don't know if it was traditionally masculine, but today is not about you're going to do what I think that you're going to do because I'm the parent. You're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. It seems like you had a different approach and kind of pushing people into the direction that they wanted to go What was that process like? And was that an easy one? Or was there any stumbling blocks along the way in terms of helping not only your kids find the way, but helping you be okay with what it is that their path is taking? Yeah, this is a really important thing because you've spent time around me. And I'm going to say this as gently on myself as I can. I am not normal. (laughs) And I'll even go as far as to say, in some ways, I'm a freak. And I say that knowing who I am and how I roll and how my mind works and how I'm just over the top about whatever I do, I go full out. And I'm a very unique individual. And I recognize that early on. And I didn't want to burden my kids with And I wanted them to let the game come to them and to be there. You know, that's why, to me, parenthood, no matter what sex, gender, whatever, there's somebody there. Mom, Shailene, is saying, no, you're going to fall. And Hector's there. No, keep climbing that tree. And I'm right here if you fall. That's the mom and that's the dad in a nutshell in whatever form it takes. And maybe it's just a single mom that has to play both roles. You know what I mean? But I think that's our role as parents. 
I'll give you an example. My daughter, Sarah, who is a server at an upscale restaurant in Reno, Nevada, makes really good money. She's a mom now, and this is where her mindset is. And it's not as much on what she does to make money. It's about the freaking kid. And that's where she wants to be. So at one point, I thought she was going to get into real estate. And I was really happy about it. And she got her license and then said, you know what, dad? thought it over. Not me. Not going to do it. And I think a lot of parents would have an ego that says, no, you got to follow in the family footsteps. And no, that's just not right. That's about you, not about them. And if you truly care about yourself, because it starts with self, your family, your community, and the world, You want what's best for the world and you take yourself out of the equation. And that's why connection to source or God or, you know, a lot of meditation to get what is right. Because sometimes that's not clear. Yeah. The word that's coming up is like a deference of your own ambitions even sometimes. Because as a single guy, it's hard charging. You've got one goal or maybe you have some other goals. But otherwise, you're singularly focused on usually your own ambitions, your own goals. I think modern masculinity, modern men are all of a sudden in charge of more than just that. They have their own kingdoms at home. They have their own businesses. And so the need to have more capacity is all of a sudden much more important where, you know, it's not just going to work and coming home. And there's all these things that you need to juggle. Hey, can I touch on that really quick? And that comes back to your spouse and who's in your world and paying attention to what's really going on and keeping that communication open to where you can make sure whatever unit you're in, whether it's me selling real estate, me with my family, me with One Life, me with GoBundance, where do I fit in the team? And I'll take GoBundance really quick in that atmosphere. We're a band of David Osborne, Pat Hyben, Mike McCarthy, and Tim Rode. I'm the freaking bass player. I'm in the back just paying attention. And it's good to know who you are and where you are and watching other units in place and how do they work. And like, I love to watch behind the music. What happened to that band? Well, the dumbass thought he was the lead singer and, you know, he should have just been the bass player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Tim, you spend a lot of time in nature. I've spent some, I don't want to say a lot of time, but I wish it was more. But I spent some time at your house. Your back door is literally a mountain. You open your back door to the side of a mountain. And you've talked a little bit about the importance of nature and how that might be connected to masculinity. And so we're going to touch on that and also how some of the technology that's coming about might be throwing some wrenches into the mix. But we're going to get into that, Tim, right after this quick break. Cool. Hey guys, this podcast is brought to you by Amplify Media. We are a group of genius makers. So if you need help getting your mission and message out to the world, we're the ones that can help. So if you want info on how to do that, go and check the show notes. All the info will be there. But thank you as always. Let's get back to the interview. Tim, you have a really cool, I don't know if you want to call it tradition or uh, ritual, or but there's the hill or the mountain on the backside of your house. People 
will time trial themselves. They'll start at your back door. They'll time themselves up to the top of the mountain, sign a book, come back down, right? And so there's this whole thing. People have personal records. There's people who have bragging, right? I mean, it is this thing that has really become fun. But I think more than anything, it's a big symbol or it's a big emblem for how you look at life. I think there's so many things in there that we can unpack. So I'd love for you to share what that's all about and maybe why that's become such a significant part of your homestead, if you will. Okay, so this is the part of me and we all have different slices of who we are. And my physical existence is all about, I call it getting the goods in the woods. So when I retired at 40, I moved up to the mountains where I grew up in the middle of nowhere. And like Hector said, I have a mountain in my backyard. And one of the ways that I play is I created a sport called Riking. And in my backyard is Riker Peak. It's about a mile up and it's a no joke mountain, about a 30 degree pitch. So Riking is you hike up as fast as you can and it's not easy at a mile up in elevation. You know, you kind of get in your lungs. So you're hiking up and then you have to sign in the book up top with your initials to show you're up top and then you run down as fast as you can. Hiking up, running down is Riking. And Riker Peak is the best mountain I've ever seen for it. So it ends up right in my backyard. And the best time is 24 minutes, one mile up and down. And there's a guy named Tom Burns. He's my age. He's in his 60s. And he did it in 29 minutes. My best time is 31 minutes. So that's just one piece of getting the goods in the woods. I kind of centered it around season. And in winter, I snow ski and backcountry ski, climb mountains and ski them literally out my back door. It's been a great year. And then in the spring, I'm climbing mountains and skiing. In the summer, I'm hiking and mountain biking. And then in the winter, I'm doing it all over again. So I'm 63 now. I can typically keep up with most 20 and 30 year olds. So it's a good thing. And it's great to have a lot of energy. I think that's way underrated is your mind, body, soul in everything you're doing. So. What do you think men are missing? Because I'd imagine 99.9% .9 of men are not getting that much time out in nature. What do you think they're missing or what have you gained from being able to spend that time? Let me talk about what I didn't have. Back when I was on the hamster wheel, back when I was selling a lot of real estate, back when I had a young family, I was in Manteca near Stockton in the heart of the Central Valley. I'd try to run and there was freaking big trucks and I'm running in shit oxygen trying to hold my breath while I'm running. That's why I got up to the mountains. But um, during that time, I'd go prospect in an alleyway where I'd get a little bit. I could look out and I could see a mountain and I'd just walk up and down the alleyway calling prospects and stuff. A, I'm moving. B, I'm out of the office. And C, at least I can breathe somewhat fresh air. But it's what I had at that time. Now, I spend six to seven days, the least thing I'm going to do is take a walk with my wife. The most radical thing is I'm going to climb a mountain and ski it three or four vigorous times. So as you grow in life, do yourself a favor, more and more goods in the woods, get that quiet time. And when you ask what's missing, I talked about retiring at 40. I dropped out of society 
for like a while before One Life and before Go Abundance. And I wanted to spend time figuring out what's next. And it's such a big, important question of what would be my next incarnation if I knew I couldn't fail. By the way, I wrote a good book called The Quitter's Manifesto. It's on Amazon and Audible. It's a great book about dropping out and figuring out what your next incarnation is with my good buddy, Pat Hyben, who wrote that last year. But I think that's an important thing. And I mentioned something to you before we started talking, I think is really important, Hector, is right now I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I hear about the new AI with the chat GPT. I see what Zuckerberg had in mind with the metaverse what the heck? No, no, wrong turn. Go back, go back. No, that is not it. You know, it's taking your family to a park and getting them out on the swings. It's taking them to a river and jumping in and teaching your kid how to swim. It's uh, getting them on snowshoes. It's taking them to cool stuff they've never been before and letting them see nature. Let them see critters in the wild and bugs and lizards and frogs and pollywogs and all the real things. This may be the last generation. That next generation after that, where's this all going? Don't go there. That is, I just don't see it. Less time on the phone, more time in nature. That's what I see, dude. As much as you can. By the way, we've got to work. we got to do the things we have to do, but... You know, find time for you. Yeah, the nature thing is big, right? And I see it with the kids too, that when they spend time on their screens, they're different kids. They're different types of kids. And when we get outside and we're in nature and we're running around, maybe it's just that they get their energy out. But even just that, we're a machine. We have energy that needs to kind of get out, right? And if we don't ever expend that energy, it stays. And I think that that's something that you're experiencing by being out on the mountain and doing all that is that constant, you know, renewal of it. And think of what I was talking about when I was prospecting and I go out in the alleyway and just pace. I'm getting my heart rate elevated. I'd see a mountain. I saw something. It was all I had, but it was something. And it wasn't inside on a machine. And I think it's really important to take breaks. I think what progress is, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And some of it may not be us progressing. In some ways, the simple pleasures are the things that if you look at the things I'm talking about, riking, free, walking, free, hiking, all I need for my backcountry skiing is my gear and yes, at a resort, it costs money. But most of the stuff that I'm alluding to is free. You know, you got to get there and you got to bring in the lunch and stuff like that. But it's the simple pleasures. It's a freaking sunset. It's taking your family and going and watching a gorgeous sunset or a sunrise Sunday morning. Hey, let's get on the car. Let's go walk. Yeah, let's walk to the beach. It's two and a half miles. I'll carry you if you get tired. This is showing up as a dad. I'm talking to you listening to this. What's interesting is I remember when, maybe it was the last time we got up Riker, is I uh, just had Cash, my son, and he was about one years old. And he's probably weighed the same that he weighs now because he was a big baby. And I carried him up the mountain. What was interesting about that is I refused to take any help. 
everybody was just like, let me help, let me help. And I was like, I got it, I got it, and I got it. And part of it was trying to prove to myself, but part of it was not wanting to take help or to look like I needed help or to feel like I had it all figured out or like I could do it on my own. And I think that that's a big thing that held me back for sure, was being willing to ask for help or being okay to get help when needed. The thing that I had pulled up that was really high on their list, they called it the Atlas thing. It's like, men, we have, I don't need any help. I've got this, you know, and I think that is part of, quote, modern masculinity. And especially for men to say, you know what, I hurt. I don't feel good about something going on or let me tell you what's really happening. And do you know who uh, Kelly Flanagan is? Yeah. Yeah, very well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have you read The Hiding of a of his, his newest uh, book? His newest, Elijah I Campbell. It no. is an amazing book. I I strongly recommend it. His earlier book, it was called Wounded, and it was about how much trauma we have as men and women from our childhoods. Our parents messed us up. That's why I'm try- I try not to mess my kids up too much. And you're trying not to mess your kids up. We're all doing the best we can, but think back to our wounded childhood, and we're bringing that into our relationships. And Tina and I have been married 30 years And we've had our ups and downs and some strong, you know, challenges and stuff. And sometimes it's so frustrating. It's like, you know, we're two intelligent, very caring people. Why can't we get this together? It's like we both want the same thing and then you trigger each other. And those trigger things, they go to our childhood. I got this thing. If Tina's upstairs and I'm on the phone with somebody and she's chiming in, it's because my aunt and grandma would heckle my uncle back when I was 16 years old. And I'd listen to my aunt and his mom fight over him. And he's like, and that left a mark. And to this day, that triggers me. And I find, and I try, you know, <laughs> yeah, Tina, no, why I can't it. you get this right? I get it. Well, what's interesting is that I don't think previous generations acknowledged this in the sense that they always said opposites attract, but then in that oppositeness, there's so much growth that's created or necessary for the relationship to be sustained. And I think that if you take that one step further, what I'm seeing and what a lot of people are are putting out there is that our partners, they are almost designed to bring out that trauma that we subconsciously are looking for the things that create those, if not for our own evolution to overcome them, right? Ideally, that would be the reason, not that they're, oh, they're just going to sit there and trigger you, but that way it gives you another chance to be able to work through that trauma or whatever things that are happening internally. Tina would say from a spiritual perspective, we were put to each other for a specific purpose, to draw that out so we will work on ourselves and grow into who we're supposed to evolve into. And if we're up for the challenge, how fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's a challenge, right? It's not a sentence. It's not a penance. It's not a punishment. It's a challenge and an opportunity. Yeah. And go back to what I said earlier. When I'm on my game, the word is reverence. And I can't wait to do things for her. Monday morning, that freaking garbage is out. My job is filling up the firewood. I've been here for almost 20 years. There's never been one night without firewood. That is my freaking job. There is firewood, period. 
There is this really cool eagle nest thing up at Big Bear Lake, I think it is. And there's these two eagles that are about to have their babies like in two weeks and I'm watching them and I watch one of them, you know, they have ships on those eggs and you can just tell they are on point doing their job. And it's so beautiful to watch them. As a matter of fact, I'll send you the link for your kids to see. It's a little boring, but when you see them change shifts and when they have those eggs hatch, it's going to be freaking amazing. And it's just cool to watch They're just playing their role, but they're so on point. It's fun to watch them. Those two birds, they fight over those eggs. Who gets to stay on them? They squawk over and they went, ah, no, I want to stay, you know. And it's just fun to watch. Well, you said these roles, right? And I think that is perhaps maybe a big thing is that when our role is defined, it becomes... I don't know if easier is the right word, but it becomes simpler. And I think that men's roles have shifted so much in the sense that they were just the provider, but now women can go out and be the provider. So now if that's not the sole role of the man, then what is their role? But I think men are not, either they haven't woken up to that or they're not comfortable in that new scenario. And I think that that's where you have a lot of pushback. I don't know how much of the Andrew Tateness has caught onto your radar, right? But there's this new dating world that seems to be based off of men getting upset that their roles, their value, it feels, has been taken away from them. But I think that's misguided or incomplete, really. Yeah. Honestly, that's tough for me to speak to because I'm just really not in that world. What's been interesting is it's not mine either. You know, I'm only 30, but I've been out of the dating world, I guess, now for seven, eight years. And it's a totally different world in terms of what's required, what's asked of. And I think men are just upset. It's like a childish boy reaction to someone upstanding them, right? To all of a sudden, now the woman can come in and make money. And I think all it does is just requires more out of us as men to kind of elevate and evolve ourselves to rise with them. Yeah, that's really fascinating. It'd be really interesting if early on, like Tina was a general manager of three travel agencies when I met her. And then she said, hey, I'm going to work with you. You've got the real estate thing. She kind of helped me for a while and then had Andy and blah, 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 and went off on her own. But it'd be fascinating if all of a sudden that took off. And I've seen this with so many people of my friends where the ladies' business takes off and he works for her. And that, or he's home taking care of the house and taking care of the family more and more. My ex-wife's daughter's husband works for her. She's the breadwinner. He does the cooking, cleaning, and is her assistant. And it's not easy because she's kind of like me. She's just a ball buster. (laughs) And and I guess I was. I just didn't understand three words. It's not done. (laughs) And she's kind of like that too. Does that create challenges for them or for him? Absolutely. But here's the deal. He can handle it because the big guy put them together and they're both supposed to learn. And it's so fascinating because people say she's my daughter. She's my ex's. My ex had her after we split up. They say she's my kid because we are so similar. And it's a joke within our extended family. Oh yeah, Brittany's kid, Tim's kid. 
and so I watch her and I'm always when we're at events and stuff. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know, and just throwing pointers and stuff because we can relate really well. And Tyler and I can relate and stuff. I think she's a load and he's a very, very modern male that can handle this. And I think what I'm hearing is so many couldn't is what I think you're saying. I'm dealing with this right now. You know, Shailene, she's got a new job. She's traveling all the time and she's making good money. But even I feel like, why is there this resent? Like, where is this coming from? Where is this weird animosity or even jealousy? Or I've had to do a lot of work on myself. Good for you. To not be the person that holds her back because of my own insecurities. Yeah, good for you, Hector. That says so much about your vulnerability, your ability to just say your truth that you are challenged with it. And I'm sure you've talked about it other times on your podcast and stuff. But, you know, I hope that you're working together. And let's go back to what I had said earlier. Whatever is best for yourselves, the family, your community, and humanity. And that's where sometimes we have to check ourselves. And sometimes it's kind of like, you know what? It's her turn. And I'm going to take this on where I can help her shine. And I've had to do that in a very little way when Tina wanted to do her energy medicine. She did three years of that. It was kind of like her turn. Yeah, I bring that up because I know that I do a lot of the work and every bit of that was only based in my own insecurities. And so I think that for anybody who's listening, it's just an important thing to say. I want to transition really quickly before we get out of here to the new book. There's a couple of books, one of which is on my shelf is Tribe of Millionaires, which I would encourage you guys to go get and read this great story. But recently, you've published one called The Quitter's Manifesto. And I'm curious, if at all, how this might play into our conversation, or if you think there's any parallels or crossovers between what's in the book and and kind of the stuff that we talked about today. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are at some stage of burnout with what they're trying to do. And the book's about quit the job you hate for the work you love. And that's what it's about, is transitioning from where you are to where you want to be in life. And I found myself, like I was 35, what was so fun at 30, 31, 32 selling real estate, it was just a dream at 35, it had oxidated and it started to rust. And by 40, it was like, I'm freaking done. On a whim, I said, I quit. I'm never selling real estate. And that's what the book's not about. I did everything wrong. You know what I mean? I went to the spot of no return and the books to help you when you're 35 and feeling that way to start analyzing, is this real and what can I do about it? And what are the steps if I do want to quit? And we got a really cool tool in it. It's called the soul sucking audit. How bad is the suck? Is it on a scale of one to 10 versus how you're being compensated and stuff? Can I be there one year, three year, five years, or do I have to get rid of this thing right now? So it's a really good book. And I strongly recommend it. Please give us a nice review. It's on Amazon and on Audible. It's called The Quitter's Manifesto. Who reads it on Audible, by the way? Did you guys have someone come in and read it or did you guys read it yourself? Oh, no, we had a gentleman. 
cool. That came in. Yeah, I did a great job. I love it. So go get that on Amazon. And my last question to you, Tim, before we get out of here, is what does modern masculinity mean to you? I think we've summed it up on this call. It's funny because I started getting on thinking, oh, I'm old school and I'm not a modern masculine dude. Yes, I am. Because I think a modern masculine gray old dude is somebody that cares deeply about everybody in their orbit and wants to make sure they get theirs and is selfless in their efforts. For me, it's the ones that mean the most to me, Tina, my kids, the team that I work with and those that I wish to most influence. It's showing up every day on point holding up your end and making it easier for others. Here's my vision of myself. I'm a freaking point guard. And everything I do is to get the ball to the power forward where they can just slam it. So that's what I'm about. Are you anywhere on the internet, Tim? Or are you just out in the woods these days? I'm on Facebook, Tim Rode, R-H-O-D-E. Feel free to message me. You can email me at tim at timrode.com. I don't coach. I don't do anything. In my mind, I used to be the player. Then I was the coach. Now I'm the freaking owner. And what I do as the owner is I help the coaches and the players play their game better. So, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Tim at timrode.com. Thank you as always, Tim. This is selfishly been really enjoyable and I know everyone's going to enjoy it. Thank you guys for being here and part of the fam. We'll see you guys in the next one. Later, y'all.